this is a message that God put on my heart before the holiday season, and it's a series actually, it's a series of messages about our identity, about who we truly are. I asked this question last night, I'm going to ask it again. Are you a daughter or a son of God? Have you given your heart to the Lord and said, I want you, God, to be my Savior. I need you to be my Savior. Raise your hand if you've done that. I hope everybody has. If not, boy, we're going to talk because I got some really good news. Life is so much better when you don't have to do it by yourself. If that's true, if I know that salvation is true, but if it's true that you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you have a new identity. The problem is many of us have a misperceived identity. We don't know the full truth about who we are in Christ or we're living not in that identity. So I'm going to start with a Pastor Tim quote that he spoke many years ago. I have sat under Pastor Tim's teaching for many years and there are so many, I, I'm a note taker. So I sit there and I write things down. And this was a quote that stopped me in my tracks. And I had to stop and really think about it. And this is what Pastor Tim said. He said, your identity is very important to your healing. If you're believing things about yourself that are not your true identity, you are under the deception of the enemy. So the gist of that is that your identity is very important to your healing. This is a healing meeting. Pastor Tim and me and everybody on this team and all of you or you wouldn't be here. We want to see you healed with all our heart. I can't even tell you sometimes what a, what a, a, a passion or burden is on my heart to see you guys completely whole. That's not just me though. That's the burden of God. That's his heart. He wants all of us well. And what Pastor Tim, when he said that, when he said, your identity is so important to your healing. And if you're believing something about yourself that's not your true identity, you're under the deception of the enemy. When he said that, it was like, well, then I got to know what my identity is because I don't want to be under any deception of the enemy. So I want to share two big problems to do with identity. The first one is identity theft. Now in our world, the world that we live in, identity theft, if, you're, if your social security number is stolen, if your identity is stolen and somebody else tries to take your identity and become who you are and use it, it's a big problem. It's a huge mess that you have to get yourself out of. It can be like a spider web just woven into all sorts of issues. My mother-in-law had her identity stolen several years ago. And they, they got her social security number through a medical facility. And oh my goodness, all, many different states, um, this person tried to open up credit cards and open up bank accounts and do all sorts of things with my mother-in-law's identity. The enemy tries to do that with our identity. John 10.10, 10, we know that word, says that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. So the enemy wants to steal our identity of that rich and satisfying life. And he does that through our identity. If he can steal our identity and get us to be deceived, to believe something other than who we truly are, then that rich and satisfying life that is God's purpose for us can be part of what he steals. So identity theft is the first big thing. And the second thing is identity crisis. So in the world, an identity crisis is a person we hear all the time. Poor self-esteem. Um, um, issues with um, sexuality and your identity and knowing who you are. Um, we see it with um, uh, feelings of rejection or an orphan spirit or um, uh, an abandonment issue. All kinds of identity issues, identity crises, they're running rampant in our world. Satan desires us to be deceived, to believe those things about ourselves. And his only real power is deception. He's been deprived of his power, but he is a deceiver. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. And this one of the ways he does it is he lies about our identity. But if we know who we are, if we know our true identity and what we have in Christ, then we can fulfill God's purpose of a full and abundant life. So I'm going to read a scripture now. This is Colossians 2.8 that shows one of the ways in our world that this identity crisis thing happens where we get the enemy to twist who we are and get us to believe a lie about our identity. Listen to this. Colossians 2.8 Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. That sounds like the world. Um, Full of wisdom, endless arguments of human logic, humanistic, clouded judgments, the mindset of this world system. We see it all over. We're seeing it in our political system. We're seeing it in our morality of our nation. We're seeing it in, in um, uh, uh, the, the whole LGBT movement. We're seeing it and, and it's as if that's truth or that's real. But the real truth is the anointed truths of the anointed one. The anointed truths of the anointed one. And if we're believing a lot of other things that we've either lived and experienced or that we've been told about our own identity from the world, then like Pastor Tim says, it can have a drastic impact on us. The title of this sub, the subtitle of this today is A Change in Our Identity brings about a change in our destiny. Yeah. A change in our identity. We have the identity of Christ. We have this new identity, and that's what we're going to be exploring over the next several weeks, who we are. We're going to look in depth at who we are in Christ. 
And when we know who we are in Christ, it has the potential to change our destiny, including healing and wholeness. Now I'm going to read a couple of um, excerpts from the Time magazine because I'm going to show you this is what we're talking about. A change in identity brings about a change in destiny has been proven not just by the word of God, but by man. So this is the Time magazine. Two nuggets. Here's the first one. Research on everything from exercise, eating behavior, and sexuality to political um, action and drug use suggests that having one's identity wrapped up in a particular behavior is a crucial motivating factor to sustaining it. So let me put that in Cindy's simplicity language. It says that if we identify with an eating disorder, if we identify with an addiction, if we identify with a sexual orientation, if we say, that's who I am, then our attitudes, our behaviors, and even um, the, the effects in our life follow that. It all follows along. And then the next Time Magazine piece says one of the best ways to change a behavior, to change something like a health behavior, is to change our self-identity. When a smoker begins to view himself or herself as a non-smoker, or a teenager sees binge drinking as something people like me just don't do, then behavior, then that behavior is typically more lasting than if a person's sense of identity is not invoked. When I minister to people with smoking addictions, I, I don't just pray over them and, and, and pray deliverance. I do pray deliverance, and I do declare the word over them, but I also tell them, whenever you light up a cigarette, say, I am a non-smoker. Whenever you light up a cigarette, say, I hate smoking. Get your identity to change, and the behavior will also change. The attitudes, the behaviors, the emotions, and the effects, the destiny, all have the potential to change. And that's why we're looking at who we are and what our true identity is. So, you have the new identity already. You received it when you were born again. You received it at the moment of your recreation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he's a, new he's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, the old identity, has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. The old is no longer part of us. The old identity is gone. We have a new identity. Now, I want you to think about this, um, this picture for just a minute. How many of you have ever totaled a car in a car accident? I have. Okay, several of us have. When you total a car, the insurance company will not pay to have that car fixed. It's not worth it to pay to have it fixed. So they give you a brand new, well, maybe not a brand new vehicle, but they give you a new vehicle that's just as good as the one that was totaled. No? Well, that's what they did for me. <laughs> anyway, 
The point is, that old car, that total car, was sold. It was sold with a salvage title to a salvage company for parts. My neighbor's in that business, and he does very well for himself. Those cars are still good for parts, so they, they get everything they can, and then they recycle the rest. Now, what I want to share with you right now is that that's not what God gives us with recreation. There's no salvage title. Because we were pretty much totaled. No matter how good you were, no matter how, you know, what a good person you were, no matter how hard you tried to follow the rules and the regulations and the laws and the commandments and all that stuff, no matter how good you were, you sure weren't good enough. Because we were all um, fallen, we all sinned and fell, and fell had fallen short of the glory. That's just who we were before, right? But God didn't give us a salvage title. He didn't give us a title that said, oh, you were a sinner and I'm just going to, you know, clean you up and do the best I can. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what he did. He gave us a brand new title. And unlike what happened to you, Liz, (laughs) when you didn't get the new car, okay, okay, Yeah, because God's way better than the stuff that happens in the world. He gave us this brand new title. And if you'll keep going with me with my analogy, it's not just like a a Cavalier title. It's like a Porsche or a a Mercedes or one of the, I don't know, I'm not a car girl, but a really, really, really nice, beautiful, perfect, brand spanking new, still smells beautiful, fresh leather, all that. That's who we are perfected. That's what our new title is. That's good news. Keep that picture in your heart. God didn't give you a salvage title. Okay, listen to this scripture. Galatians 2.20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and it no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. So what I believe this means is that because we were co-crucified, we weren't just co-crucified, we were also co-resurrected. And now we are fully alive, but we're not just, just me. It's not just me. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you, in union with you. And then it goes on and it says, My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. That's the love that we have from our Father. Loves us so much that he chose to give us that new life, that new identity. So we get our new identity when we're born again. But here's the key. We might not know we have it. We come to know our identity. We come to have revelation. We realize our new identity through being renewed through the word. To have our, when our minds are renewed, made new with the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Don't do it the world's way. But let God transform you into a new person By changing the way you think. Changing. Pastor Richard's been talking about this. 
Repentance is changing the way you think. Renewing your mind isn't just stuffing your mind full of new facts or doing Bible studies or studying the Word. It's way more than that. It's changing the way you think. When we renew our mind, when we, when we allow the Word to change our thinking, we perceive things the way God says, says they are. We see ourselves as God sees us. We see the life that God has planned for us the way God sees the life that he's planned for us. I was listening to a Karis Bible College teaching. I'm doing a lot of uh, stuff online with Andrew Walmick's school. And this was a, a statement a teacher made, and it just, I just really was one of those aha statements. He said that we need to move from seeing the word of God as this is God's will to seeing it as this is who I am. That one I just had to stop and think about because this is the will of God and it's powerful to know that this is his will. Every promise in here is his will for me. But to know that it's not just his will for me, it's who I am. It's just a whole different step in believing this word for me. Here's another statement the same teacher made. He said, if you can break a mentality, you can break a reality. So we're going to be looking at mentalities, at misperceived identities that you may have been carrying and you may not know it. Some of us do know it. This isn't just for you. This is a series for me too. Because I've got some different things that that are difficult for me. You probably have things that are difficult for you. But that's not what the word says about me. So how do we change it? How do we come into agreement with him? First thing we need to know is we need to, I think, go go to God and take time to just ask him. And to look at ourselves. And to say, is there something in me that has become my identity that's not what God says about me? And it might be sickness. Has the sickness or the trial in your life become your identity? Have you received it as who you are? If it has, God wants to redefine you. Amen. So I just pray right now, before we even go into the the how and what our identity is, God, I pray. I pray that hearts are open. I pray right now, will you just put your hand on your heart for me? I pray right now that there is a stirring in our soul, a stirring in our hearts, a yearning to, to see ourselves as God sees us and to step into the fullness of our identity. Jesus, you paid too great of a price for us to stand outside looking in and saying, I want that, but I don't know how to get it. God, help us to receive who we are into the very depth of our inner being and to walk out the destiny that Jesus came to pay for, which is a rich and an abundant life, including healing, including wholeness. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen means so be it done unto me. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to read a scripture about blind Bartimaeus. 
That was his identity. They even called him, that was his name in the Bible. It wasn't just Bartimaeus, it was blind Bartimaeus. So that was kind of who he was. That's who he was identified as. So we're going to look at how he threw off that identity and he decided to run to God and to take his new identity as healed. Okay, blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. And as, and as he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. That's his identity. A blind guy, a blind beggar. And his name is Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, right. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned to warned that man to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. Verse 50. The blind man did three things. He threw off the cloak. That cloak was a symbol of who he was. It identified him as a blind beggar. It gave him the legal right to be able to beg. They didn't have social systems to take care of him back then. The only social system they had was that when he wore that cloak, people saw him as a disabled man, and then they were compelled to help him. He was a blind beggar. That was his identity, that cloak. He threw that thing off. And then he got up and he went to Jesus. He came to Jesus. When he threw that off, it was throwing off that identity. Like, I'm not going to need that anymore. That's good. That's like the man with the, the wheelchair. I just was listening to a teaching this afternoon. There was a woman, I was a woman, who had a wheelchair at one of Andrew's teachings. And she had a pair of tennis shoes right there on the wheelchair. And when they said, what are you expecting? When we pray for you. And she says, well, I'm expecting to get up and walk. That's why I brought my tennis shoes. <laughs> she, that, she, her identity wasn't in the, the wheelchair. Her identity was in the tennis shoes. Blind Bartimaeus said, I'm getting rid of this cloak. I'm not going to need it anymore. Jesus, the healer, is here. And he called me. So he threw that thing off. He got up and he went to Jesus. Then Jesus answered and he said to that man, what do you want me to do for you? Well, didn't he see he was blind? Couldn't he tell he was blind? So why did Jesus ask him, what do you want me to do for you? He probably wanted him to speak words of faith. To say, I want to be healed. I want to see. That's what I want from you. Or to speak words that's, that, that spoke of the identity that he was believing for, not the identity that he had lived in his whole life. So Jesus asked him, what do you want for me to do? He said, that I could see, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. That title, Rabboni, means master. Master. When he identified Jesus as master, it's like us identifying Jesus as our Lord where we're coming under the submission of his lordship and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't live life on my own. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And that's what Barnabas did. He said, Master, that I might receive my sight. 
And then Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Jesus healed him. And when he did, he said, your faith has made you well. Your faith, throwing that cloak off, getting up, going to Jesus, calling for Jesus in the first place, um, being um, active, aggressive in his faith, in his actions, giving Jesus lordship, saying, I come under your, your leadership, Jesus. I submit to you. And he received all that he came for and probably way more than he came for because he now knew Jesus personally. And that's what happens when you know him personally. You get way more than you bargained for, and it's really, really good. So how does that relate to us? We may be doing what Bartimaeus was doing before this account. We may have an identity of whatever it is that we've been carrying. And it may just be completely surrounding our soul, surrounding us like that cloak was surrounding him. We may have spiritual blindness and not be seeing clearly. Everything in life has gotten so um, uh, big in front of us that it takes over and we don't see clearly. And we need to do like blind Bartimaeus did and throw that thing off, throw off that, mis that misperceived identity and let Jesus help us. He wants to. He wants us well. He paid a huge price for us to be well. So the cloak that defines us and our misperceived identity, not just identity, but attitudes, emotions, behaviors, all that stuff, God wants us to get rid of it. And that's why I've been praying so diligently that this, that this series would unveil for us and give us revelation of who we are. I believe it's going to be very important for all of us, me, myself included, to spend time meditating on each piece of our new identity that we talk about, to meditate on it, to renew our minds. Remember, we receive our new identity when we're born again. We get revelation of it as we renew our minds. And number three, I realize, I forgot. We walk in it. We rest in it through relationship, constant relationship with God. And we walk out that victory as we stay in that place of intimacy and relationship with God. Okay. So we're going to look at only one facet of our identity today. One little tiny piece, but it is a giant one. Being this is a healing class, this is where I wanted to start. The first piece of our identity, the first truth of who we really are, we are healed and made whole. It doesn't matter what your body says. It doesn't matter what that wheelchair looks like. It doesn't matter what pain is in your body or your heart or your mind or your soul or your marriage, or anything else. Our true identity is healed and made whole. I'm going to give you one scripture. There's a whole lot, but I'm going to give you one. And this is a great one to meditate on this week. It's 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 
Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That scripture has two clauses, two very distinct parts. But there's not a period in a capital letter in the middle. There's a hyphen. I looked that up when I was studying this out a while ago. The reason they put a hyphen there is because the second clause directly relates to the first. They are direct, they're, collect, they're connected. You can't take them apart. Healing of our body is part of salvation. Forgiveness of sins and righteousness is part of salvation. They're not separate. They're part of the same package. So the first part says Jesus took our sin into his own body on the cross so that we could die to sin and live for righteousness. We have been co-crucified with Christ. We have been co-resurrected with him. Now the potential for that amazing gift is for every kid on this earth, every person on this earth, every single human being, but it's only ours when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. That's when we die to sin. It's all, when did that happen? When did Jesus pay for that? On the cross, once. If I choose to make Jesus my Lord today, that doesn't mean that Jesus paid for it today. He paid for it 2019 or so or more years ago. That's when it was paid for. That's when it was purchased. But I don't receive it until I accept the sacrifice, until I accept the gift by believing, declaring, and, and asking God to be Jesus to be the Lord of my life and my Savior. We know that about salvation. Pretty much all of Christianity knows that about salvation. But that's not the end of the story. The second part of the scripture says, by whose stripes you were healed, past tense. Jesus paid for our healing when he took the stripes on his back right before he died on the cross, the day before he died on the cross. That's when he purchased our healing. He actually purchased our healing before he purchased our forgiveness. I've often wondered this. Did he even have to do that? Could he have just died, not taken that flogging? And we would still have our sins forgiven and be reconciled unto God and go to heaven and spend eternity with him? But then healing wouldn't have been purchased. I don't know. But he did. Bottom line is he loved us so much. He wanted us whole. Not just after our death. Eternal life begins the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And part of who we are is healed. We're healed. Next week, we're going to talk about, we are, or two weeks, we're going to talk about how we are forgiven, we are righteous, and we're worthy. But today, we're going to talk about we're healed. That's who we are. Now, you don't, you're probably not here if your body's feeling great. But it's yours. In the spiritual realm, it's yours. We're going to talk about that when we talk about righteousness. In the spiritual realm, you're righteous, you're perfect. 
In the spiritual realm, you're healed. Now, when I say spiritual realm, I don't mean like out there in heaven somewhere waiting to come. No, you are a three-part being. This person, Cindy, you, Kelly, you are a three-part being, your spirit, soul, and body, and your spirit is healed. Your spirit is forgiven and righteous. Our soul is the part that needs renewed to believe what's already done in the spiritual realm. Tom Veers, he's going to be here next week, Tom, our friend, he taught me something really simple. Two against one wins. If your soul agrees, your mind, your will, your emotions agrees with what's already yours in the spiritual realm, it wins over what's going on in your body. So if you agree, you're healed. Nathan, you're healed. You're healed. If you allow the word to just feed your soul and renew your soul, renew your mind, your body has to follow suit. I'll believe it every day, every breath of my life, and I know you guys are too. We're standing persistent with you. We're standing consistent in the word of God. I have no idea where I'm at. Okay. The spiritual realm, you are healed. You're whole. That is more real than what you see in your, in your physical realm. It's more real. When we, we believe for healing... Our belief isn't anchored in the realm of facts because it would be really hard to believe then. Our faith is anchored in the realm of truth. Truth is a greater reality and truth trumps facts. That's good news. Sickness may be a fact, but the truth is that Jesus has already paid for your healing. Done. Eyes of faith can look at the facts and still believe the truth. Facts are subject to change, but truth remains the same. It takes renewing of our mind to see with eyes of faith instead of natural eyes. So a common misunderstanding, this is on your paper, a common misunderstanding is that you need to fight to get healed instead of fighting because you've been healed. It's way easier to defend something that you already have than it is to try to get something you don't have yet. So let me say that again. Many of us are, trying, are fighting to get healed instead of fighting because we've been healed and something's trying to steal it and we're defending that healing. Here's a great statement. It's on your paper. I'm not a sick person trying to get healed. I am a healed person defending the healing that's already mine. That's one of those pieces to take home and meditate on this week. Meditate. Get that in your heart. I am not a sick person trying to get healed. That's not me. I'm a healed person. That's who I am. I'm a healed person and the devil's trying to steal it. But I'm a healed person and I'm defending my healing. I'm standing in the authority I have as a believer and I'm saying, sickness, go. You have no power in my life. I'm a healed person. That's what the word says. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. Okay. 
So one of the questions I had, I, I want you to think about is, you know, where your identity is. Are you identifying with the disease? But here's the second question. On the, on the canvas of your heart, what picture do you see? Do you see yourself well? Do you see yourself sick? Do you see yourself successful? Do you see yourself a loser? How do you see yourself on the canvas of your heart? If you hear a report of a doctor that doesn't agree with God's report, it's really hard to believe God's word if that picture that's in here doesn't agree with God's word. Good news is that picture can change. The picture on your heart of who you are can change. And it happens with renewing your mind through the word. If that negative picture is going to change, it's imperative that we change our focus until we see ourselves well. We must see it to be it. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So that's why we're talking about identity. So this week's identity statement is you are healed. You were healed. That's who you are. That's your identity.